Greetings, film pals. I bid you welcome to The Cinematic Crypt, a movie podcast hosted by Movie John's Old Sport and Classic Coroner, Rosalie Kicks, me. Each episode, I travel six feet under and pry open a coffin of one of my favorite Hollywood corpses and perform a post-watch examination of one of their forgotten films. Lend me your ears and listen along as I summon the spirits of Hollywood's dearly departed and uncover your next favorite film from the grave. If you don't believe in vampires, turn up the radio. Somewhere in this town right now is one that you might know. He looks and acts like a teenage boy. He even goes to school. Have you ever thought your boyfriend might be a teenage ghoul? Pennsylvania 457-89. It feels so good to be back in the crypt with you, my goblins and ghouls. Of course, I've been keeping busy. As mentioned in the last episode of The Crypt, I am very excited about the return of Movie John's flagship podcast, I Saw It in a Movie. A movie advice podcast that goes to the cinema for the answer. I will be co-hosting this weekly podcast with my film pal, Ryan Silverstein, and we will feature a rotation of Movie John pals to serve as experts to answer all of your burning questions. No question is too silly, so don't fret. Maybe you are wondering where to start in silent film watching, or what to do with that creepy doll that is hiding out in your attic. Ask away by contacting us on Twitter at IsawItInAMovie, or on email at dearisawitinamovie at gmail.com. Or if you're old-fashioned, like your favorite little gravedigger here, you can contact us via snail mail at Attention Movie John, P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145. All of this information is available on our website as well at moviejohn.com and just go under MJ Podcasts. Can't wait to hear from you, old sport. And remember, for every question, there is a movie with the answer. All right, film pals, time to grab your cape and get comfortable. It is time for our regularly scheduled spooky program. Follow me, but watch your step as you descend down to the cinematic crypt. For this episode of The Crypt, I will be digging up the corpse of David Manners to examine the 1932 black and white beauty, The Death Kiss. Based on the book by Madeline St. Denis, the screenplay was written by Barry Berenger and Gordon Kahn. The dialogue was penned by Joe Traub, but he went uncredited for his work. This was the first film directed by Edwin L. Marin, who went on to make 58 pictures. 
In reviewing his filmography, The Death Kiss seems to be the only film of his that I have viewed, but with titles such as Moonlight Murder and Invisible Agent, I am sure I will knock on his gravesite sometime down the road. As for The Death Kiss, this is a film that falls within the movies about movies genre, meaning it's a movie about making movies. Being made in 1932, it was attempting to capitalize off the success of the 1931 Todd Browning film Dracula, which also featured Bela Lugosi, David Manners, and Edward Van Sloan, all of whom appear in The Death Kiss. Bella was even given top billing in this production, despite having a very rather minor role. I had first heard about this flick on Karina Longworth's podcast, You Must Remember This, in a wonderful series she did about Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff. In hearing about this picture, I had to track it down, which frankly wasn't too hard via a quick Google search. The movie fell into public domain, which has led to many extremely poor quality VHS and DVD copies of the film. There is an okay version available on YouTube, which I have viewed, and it's uploaded by PizzaFlix if you want to check it out. However, the best copy available is from Kino Lorber, and it's on Blu-ray. It is a 35mm restoration including hand tinted sequences. In my first episode of The Cinematic Crypt, in which I dissected and examined the 1940 film The Devil Bat, I mentioned that I had began watching Bela Lugosi films with my film pal and fellow classic coroner, Ashley Jane Carruthers, last year. We meet up regularly for what we refer to as movie dates, and through the power of synchronization and text messages, we watch a film virtually, her in Canada and me in Pennsylvania. At the present time, we have watched 30 of Bella's 117 credits. We are completist, so it is without a doubt these will all eventually be tracked down and viewed. The Death Kiss was actually the second Vela flick that we watched, and although his performance in it is quite memorable, as I stated earlier in the program, he does have a minor role. It was truly David Manners that was the one that stood out as the star. David Manners was first discovered in 1927 by James Whale, a famously well-known director of The Invisible Man, Frankenstein, and Bride of Frankenstein, just to name a few. One of Manor's biggest successes came in his role in Dracula for his portrayal of Jonathan Harker. Besides Dracula and the Death Kiss, he teamed up with Lugosi again and also Karloff in The Black Cat. After the success of Dracula, Manor's worked for several years as a romantic leading man and was most often donning a tuxedo in lighter fare, such as dramas and romantic comedies. Even going to his grave, Manners claimed to have never seen his portrayal in Dracula, despite the numerous fan letters he received regarding his performance. By 1936, Manners grew fatigued from the acting scene in Hollywood, and he deserted his film career, leaving the industry with a mere 39 film credits. He was quoted as saying that he found Hollywoodland to be a false place. He did try his hand at directing, though, when he purchased a 16mm camera and began making flicks in and around his ranch, chronicling his life. The film was unfortunately lost and never found. 
I can only imagine the amazing things he captured. Even after leaving Hollywood, though, he did continue to work and act in plays until around 1953, when he retired from acting completely. He spent the rest of his remaining years pursuing his personal interests, including painting, writing, and studying philosophy. He ended up penning a spiritual novel in his later years. In 1971, he published Look Through, An Evidence of Self-Discovery. Something I found quite interesting when reading about him was that early on he had received a Hollywood Walk of Fame star, which was later removed for reasons that were never revealed. What a mystery, man. If you're interested in learning more about David and his Hollywood past, I would recommend checking out davidmanners.com. It is a wonderful site compiled by John Norris, who apparently corresponded with David for a number of years via post and mail. Pen Pals, which I will now plug here. Let's be pen pals. Email me at cinematiccrypt at gmail.com. Welcome to your favorite drive-in theater and a sparkling new season. Watch our screen and local newspapers for all the fine shows coming this way. Show after show will feature the latest hits, the biggest stars for fun-filled... Essentially, The Death Kiss is a murder mystery set in the backdrop of movie-making on the lot of a Hollywood studio. With its swift runtime of an hour and 15 minutes, this flick does not waste any time getting to the story. Within the first couple minutes, while filming a scene, the star of the fictitious The Death Kiss, Miles Brent, is shot and killed. We won't need a doctor, George. He's dead. Dead? This creates mayhem on set, or is referred to numerous times during the film, a calamity. And furthermore, and yet besides... Ah. Yes? Oh, yes, Mr. Avery. Just a minute. It's Mr. Avery. Tell him to finish on schedule. He's two days behind already. Talking to me is a wasting time. But he says it's important. That's the trouble. He's too important entirely. Hello. What? Brent. Shot. Dead. Oh, that's going to cost me a fortune. What a calamity. Quick, call Steiner. Tell him, tell him Brent was killed. Shot. What a calamity. What a calamity. This calamity prompts a call to the studio fixer, Joseph Steiner played by everyone's favorite vampire, Bela Lugosi. For those not aware of the studio fixer role, in the 20s and 30s, this was a role within the studio system that primarily made bad stories about their stars disappear to ensure they maintained a positive public image. They would also handle unforeseen issues on set. Bela's character is there to straighten things out and get the picture back on track. Steiner is hoping to pass this incident off as a mere prop accident, a gun that was unfortunately loaded and went off. Studio screenwriter Franklin Drew, played by our cadaver of interest, David Manners, has other plans. He is not going to allow this to be swept under the rug. Mm, Well, it might have been an accident, but... Frank, you don't think it was murder? Darling, I don't even know. Maybe he just died of old age. Maybe he never even existed at all. Now, you wait here. I'm going to have a look around. 
His investigation begins with his discovery of a slug in the wall behind where Miles Brent had been standing moments ago. Manner's face at this moment when he finds the slug in the wall is like a kid in the candy store. He couldn't be more thrilled. This is the moment that Franklin puts down his script-writing pen, closes up the typewriter, and dons his fedora to become the dabbling detective. Well, I'm sorry to gum up the works, but it wasn't an accident. It's murder. Murder? Oi, what a calamity. How do you know? This is the bullet that killed him. The 38 caliber center fire. All the guns the extras used were 45s. And you can't fire a 38 bullet through a 45 gun. It's an old Chinese principle. Where did you get this? Out of the wall of the set. Don't you know better than to meddle in police matters? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to meddle. I just wanted to help. You see, uh, I like to dabble a bit in murder cases. Well, you just go and dabble someplace else. Of course. We couldn't have a murder mystery without insurance. The actual police working the case believe there is only one logical suspect, and that is actress and star Marsha Lane. Marsha was not only Miles Brent's co-star in The Death Kiss, but she is also his ex-wife, who conveniently forgot to sign a release from his life insurance policy, giving her a most intriguing motive to commit murder. Of course, Manners has a thing for this Marsha Marsha character, and he is dead set on setting things straight in order to clear her name, which makes him, well, how do I put this? Insufferable. The first time I watched this film with Dr. Ashley Jane Carruthers, I recall us both being irked by this Manners chap. However, much like a terrible advertising jingle, he grows on ya. By the end of the film, we were both praising his performance, and both swore that before we climb into coffins and hit the dirt six feet under, we shall watch his entire filmography. So don't fret, this shall not be the last Manners appearance on this program. Oh no. Understand, for how obnoxious his dabbling is, here's the thing. Most of the time, his instincts are right. It is Manners' idea, after all, to go to the film, The Source, to see if anything was captured since the actual shooting of Miles would have been filmed. So everyone gathers in the screening room to watch the evidence. Seeing this screening room reminded me of how much my partner in crime and I, Ben, need a high-end screening room. It's an important room in every home. Anyways, unfortunately, in watching the film, they don't get too far, as the film catches fire. In opening the room to the projectionist, they find the chair turned over, lit cigarette with lipstick by the projector, and the projectionist laid out on the floor. This puts the entire calamity back at square one, except the rouge found on that cigarette. Well, this is a style only used by two women. Yup, you guessed it, one of them being Marsha Lane. What do you make of it, Drew? Got me. It's more of a mystery than anything I ever wrote. What I can't understand is why anyone should want to murder Brent. Now, if it were a supervisor. <laughs> I don't see why anybody wants to murder anybody. It's a silly idea. You going to try and solve it? Yes, why not? It's fun. Not that it wasn't clear before, Manners proclaims his dedication to solving this case right at this point. 
He heads back to the studio to do some more investigating. While there, he finds a gun hidden in one of the studio lights. But before he is able to show anyone, he is knocked out. And when he awakes, the gun is gone. Where have you been? I've been waiting all afternoon for you. Oh, I've just been doing a little sleuthing. The police are certain that Marsha Lane killed her ex. But Manners continues his dabbling by heading to question a man named Chalmers, a former gaffer. For those not familiar, a gaffer is a chief electrician on the set of a motion picture. Anyways, Chalmers was fired due to butting heads with the late Miles Brent. Manners believes between Chalmers' boozing lifestyle and the grudge that he had with Brent, he would have a strong motive to kill. What he didn't expect was to find him dead at his kitchen table. Dead by poison. Battery acid, to be exact. And guess whose car is in the shop due to a dead battery? You guessed it. Marsha Lane. Go right in, Mr. Drew. When did you find out your car wouldn't start? About an hour ago. Well, with all your dabbling, you didn't throw us off. You've thrown yourself off if you think Miss Lane had anything to do with Chalmers or Brent either. All right, all right. Just sit down there. And keep quiet. This leads to one of my favorite scenes in the film. Everyone gathered in the Fixer's studio office. The faces Bella is making each time Manners opens his mouth is absolutely precious. Bella is practically shooting daggers at Manners, all the while he's just puffing his cigar. I can't express enough how emotive of an actor Bella was. I love him. And the cutaways to his expressions in this film are so great. In watching this film a few times, I wonder how much acting Bela is actually doing here, though, and that maybe he really wasn't too fond of this Stapler. You can't trick Miss Lane into answers. And have little boy Blue over there take him down. Now keep quiet, Drew. You're trying to get at the bottom of this. Oh, no, you're not. Sheehan's trying to force Miss Lane into admission to things she's never done. She might as well talk here as downtown. I've got a warrant for her. <laughs> for what? Suspicion of murder. What's your theory? It's as simple as ABC. Yes, it would be if you thought of it. Chalmers killed Brent because he hated him and she offered him money. Then she got frightened and killed Chalmers, thinking that he would get drunk and give it away. Every piece of evidence we have got points to her. It was her cigarette that blew up the dome. Her car that made the tracks outside of Chalmers' house. And acid from her battery that killed him. Oh, that's a lot of bunk. I know, you've got to make an arrest. It's okay with you. Turner, you can't sit there and let them arrest Marcia. Or she has nothing more to do with these than Lincoln had to do with the burning of Rome. Mr. Drew, we don't know whether Lincoln burned Rome or not. And we don't care. But this man is a policeman. So let us hear what he has to say. And we are not paying you to quarrel with the police. Oh, I don't care if you pay me a dime. About proof that she's innocent. Are you making yourself ridiculous? I'm trying to protect one of your stars. Luckily, the dabbling detective is on the case. For when he was snooping around in the late Miles Brent dressing room, he found a letter from a heartbroken married lady named Agnes and a hotel room key. While in Bela's office, he sees a picture on the desk of a woman, and the inscription reads, Agnes. O-M-G. Did Bela commit the crime? David decides he must go check out the hotel. He must get to the bottom of this. Sir, you are a detective. 
No, I'm just from the studio. Will there be detectives here? I hope not. Meanwhile, in true Hollywood form, the picture must go on. And how do you propose they do that old sport? Well, a double, of course. There is a scene in which Bela informs the studio head of this, becoming quite exasperated, which leads to one of my favorite lines of the film. But how can we finish the picture without Brent? I have told you 17 times that we can use a double. And play the whole kissing scene in a long shot? Why not? Because it's all wrong. It's terrible. I've got my reputation to think of. And I've got my money to think of. Money, money. What's money? <laughs> now, just a minute. Now, let's take it calmly. New York office is of the opinion that the murder of Brent won't hurt the picture if we can release it soon enough. Now, why not shoot that scene using a Dublin wind it up? Listen, obviously, I am on Team Bela here. After 17 times, you should freaking get it. Nothing stands in the way of the picture getting complete. So ditch the corpse and let's get quiet on the set. Okay, so we're back on the set. The deceased shoes are now being filled by a double. Marsha Lane has been released by the authorities temporarily, because as we discussed, nothing is more important than this damn picture. And our favorite screenwriting sleuth? Yeah, he's there too. And because he is such a dedicated gumshoe, he's still snooping around. He learns from the prop man that the guns that were supposed to be used were 38s, but he made an unauthorized substitution. Franklin Drew grips him and is about to drag him to the detective, just as the prop man reveals who actually ordered the change. When suddenly, the lights go out. The murderer was listening on the studio hi-fi the entire time. To no surprise, a calamity ensues, shots are fired, and the killer falls. It is Avery, the director. Wild stuff here. This may not be a cinematic masterpiece, but I sure do adore it. Apparently, David Manners had once said, it was one film that he strictly did for the cash and promptly forgot. Well, it did look like he was having fun anyway. Regardless, it is one of my most quoted Bela pictures, and it introduced me to the legend that is David Manners, so I will always treasure it. Some may find him, oh, how do I put this? bland. But I have found David rather thrilling. In watching several of his other films, including one of my favorites, The Miracle Woman, in which he co-stars with Barbara Stanwyck, that picture taught me that he was a friend to dolls, as one of his best pals is a marionette. Which brings me to some very exciting news, goblins and ghouls. Following this program, please head over to moviejohn.com Click on MJ Podcasts and go to Cinematic Crypt to find the pilot episode of my new miniature series that I am calling Learning Manners with David Manners, starring the darling dolls from my laboratory.
After a raucous and rowdy visit to a movie theater, the Darling Dolls find themselves kicked out of a local cinema and informed that they can't come back until they learn some manners. There is only one person to call to help them with this calamity. That's right, David Manners. Each month, I will release a new episode featuring the very much alive David Manners teaching these little dolls new manners. You can find them either on moviejohn.com by visiting MJ Podcasts or on the Cinematic Crips Instagram, and I'll also be tweeting out the link to the episodes on my Twitter page, at Cinematic Crypt. Can't wait to hear what you think. I'm very excited about this project and hope you enjoy it too. Shout out to Ben Leonard, Hunter Bush, and Allison Yakulis for your wonderful assistance and collaboration in the creation of the pilot episode. I couldn't have done it without you guys. Thank you. And thanks to Ashley Jane for the radical tunes. For my next episode, I will be uncovering the grave of Boris Karloff and dissecting the 1958 film Frankenstein 1970. Hope you tune in. Until then, please make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes and give us a rating and review to help other goblins and ghouls find the show. If it's a nice review, I may even read it on the show. Like this one, for my film pal Hunter M. Bush. I wish there were more of these already. Can't wait for the next episode, and the ones after that. Hunter, you may be my friend, but I certainly didn't pay you for such a sweet message. Please note, you will not end up on my people to poison list. So with that, call yourself lucky and rewarded. Can't wait to see who leaves a comment next week. If you watch The Death Kiss, let me know what you think. You can drop me a line at cinematiccrypt at gmail.com. Please don't be a stranger. If you have a suggestion for the show or a corpse you want me to dig up, let me know. You can also reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Cinematic Crypt. Don't forget to visit moviejohn.com shop to subscribe to the movie zine that I create quarterly with my film pals. Our current issue is going fast and features LBGTQ plus films. It is available for purchase in print and digital versions. Shout out to my Canadian film pal, Dr. Ashley Jane Carruthers, for providing and creating a lot of the tunes that you hear on this program, including the intro music. Also thanks to fellow movie genre, the Hollywood hunk, Hugo Marmuji, for the rad Cinematic Crypt logo. You are both as neat as pizza. Also, if you can't get enough of my soothing voice, stay tuned after the program to hear a short advert for the movie advice podcast that I will be co-hosting with my film pal, Ryan Silberstein, starting April 6th. It is now time to close the coffin. Here I leave you to rest with my latest epitaph, my tombstone quote, compliments of David Manners' character, Franklin Drew. Prove it. You're the detective. Because if you're going to try to say that I, the old sport, committed murder, you better have the proof. Committing a crime is no silly business and can't be done by a dabbler. One always knows how to burn the evidence. Goodbye, film pals. I think I owe apologies to Miss Lane and to you, too. I'm sorry that I was so unpleasant. You know, at first I could have sworn it was you. I knew it, and it made me quite angry. 
But you're much more clever than I gave you credit for. Well, that sounds like a new contract. We'll talk about that later. Do you need help or advice? Does your wardrobe need sprucing up, or do you lack the confidence to achieve your goals? Have you, or any of your family, had an encounter with a creepy doll in your home or attic? Do you need help knowing where to start with silent films or French New Wave? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Tweet, email, or post to the professionals. I I saw saw it it in in a movie. movie. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your movie advice needs. Find I Saw It in a Movie wherever you catch your pods. For every question, there is a movie. Send your questions to Dear I Saw It in a Movie at gmail.com. Who are you going to call? They can't call yet. I just said how they can tweet or email or write. Hello? Yes, of course they're serious. 